it's really important to make time for yourself and to love yourself. You forget that you matter in all this. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Bambi for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. HR salaries average around 70000 a year. Bambi gives you an HR manager for $99 a month. Get your free HR compliance audit at Bambi.com slash dreamjob. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to Skillshare. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare of premium membership for free at Skillshare.com slash dreamjob2. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope that you're having a great President's Day. If you're celebrating, if you're off today, um, it's been a nice, lazy weekend. My kids and I, we did a cute little cookie sale in front of the house yesterday and they were just so cute and the weather was so nice. And um, for Valentine's Day, my husband, he gets straight A's. He bought me this beautiful necklace and some hydrangeas, which are my favorite flower. But I bought myself a new car and I love it. It's an olive green color X7 BMW. They just made the X7, I think this year. It's like the seven seater. Anyway, I love it. And, uh, no, I'm not being paid to say that. I just do love it. And you know what the best part was? Not only that I could buy myself a car, but going there with my kids and showing my girls that they can do what they love and make an amazing living doing it, that it's not like you have to choose between doing something you hate and making good money or doing what you love and starving. It's something I want to show them that they can do their dreams and that they can make seven figures doing things that they love doing, that things that don't feel like a job. And that they have the ability to also just enjoy beautiful things that it's not a choice between you either get to have integrity and be poor or you have money, but you're egocentric and and horrible. It's not mutually exclusive. I know so many generous, humble, special people who are wealthy. Look what Bill Gates is doing for the world. Look what Oprah is doing for the world. And I have many people in my own life who live near me on the west side of LA who are just the kindest people who are helping build build things in the community. And at the same time, I know generous people who don't have anything who barely have two nickels to rub together and they are so lovely and so generous and would give you the shirt off their back. And I know wealthy people who are jerks, who are arrogant. And I know people who have very little who are jerks and really like hard to be around, right? So I don't think it's it's one or the other. I think that money is a magnifier. Whatever you are innately, I think it just heightens that. 
And um, I want to show my kids that we can live beautiful lives and we can raise our upper limit and we can raise the ceiling on what we're willing to receive and what's possible and what we believe that we are capable of. And anyway, it just feels good. Speaking of that, um, we're doing a retreat at my house March 15th through the 18th. And I think it might be the last retreat we're doing because we are moving into doing more of these bigger events and I want to be able to include more than 15 or 20 people. So I'm not certain, but it's possible it's going to be the last one. And I know that um, a few people in the end uh, who applied weren't able to come because of the timing. And so we actually have five spots. We have five spots left. So if you want to be part of the Glow Retreat and you want to be with me at my home um, for an intimate gathering, there is going to be some breath work. There is going to be some deep inner child work and really strategic business breakthroughs. And we'll be looking at planning out how you're going to up level this year and really serve the people you're meant to serve and figure out how to effectively make an offer and scale your business. We're going to get a lot done and it's really special. It happens in my home. So if you want to be a part of that, let us know, just send me a DM, but do it quickly because I know that these spots are going to go, especially because what I'm about to say, if you really want to be a part of it, but you can't afford it and you need a little help, I do have some scholarship money available to give out. And so I might be able to help you with the price. So send me a DM if you want to be one of those five people that grabs those spots, but send it to me quickly because it'll be first come first serve. Everyone else, if you want to come to LA for the Arrive Summit, it's going to be amazing. And you can get your tickets at kathyheller.com slash arrive. We're going to have about 250 people there and so many incredible guests, including Yardley Smith. That's right. Lisa Simpson herself will be there with us. It's just going to be an extraordinary two days. We will have different panels where we'll have a deep discussions about how to be a podcaster, how to be an investigator, how to write a blog, how to sell and scale your business. If you're a maker, if you're someone who's making bread or t-shirts or vegan corned beef, how to grow your business. If you're a curator, putting together groups, putting together retreats, how to grow your business. If you are a teacher, want to create coaching programs, want to create an online course, it's going to be really beautiful. And there'll be lots of time for you to break out into workshopping and groups and brainstorming. I can't wait. It's going to be March 22nd and 23rd. The tickets will sell out. Go ahead and grab your tickets at kathyheller.com slash arrive. And if you entered the giveaway, check today on my Instagram because we'll be giving away a few pairs of tickets. I'm so excited for that as well. And today I'm really thrilled because Timothy Goodman is here. He's an award-winning designer, illustrator, muralist, author, and speaker. He's the co-creator of several awesome projects, including 12 Kinds of Kindness, People of Craft, Friends with Secrets, 40 Days of Dating, and Build Kindness, Not Walls. You've probably seen his work before, considering he has put his art and words on walls, buildings, cars, people, clothing, book jackets, magazine covers, and galleries all over the world. Timothy has worked with huge brands like Google, Samsung, West Elm, Target, Netflix, The New Yorker, and The New York Times. He's been featured on NPR, NBC, Fast Company, CNN, The New York Times, et cetera, et cetera. So it's safe to say he's made quite a phenomenal career for himself. But even with all his success, he's still very honest about how he struggles with his own stuff. And he's very generous to open up and pull back the curtain and share what he's dealing with in this interview. I know you're going to love him. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Timothy Goodman. Timothy Goodman, thank you so much for coming on this show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. I'm honored. Let's talk about how you got to spend your life making art and coming up with these awesome experiments and experiences to make people feel more alive. How did this all go down? 
Tell oh, me. Oh, wow. What a big question. Um, big. Well, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Shout out Cleveland Heights. Shout out South Euclid. Um, I grew up in <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. And you know, my grandmother is an artist. And my grandfather it was in advertising. So they really were like this foundation for my kind of creative backbone, I guess. I was interested in drawing, which I think a lot of children are, of course, when they're, when they're young. I used to draw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a lot, but, but I really kind of scrapped it all. I just became interested in, in hanging out with friends and playing sports and getting into a lot of trouble. I, I just loved trying to buck authority and whatever that meant. When I look back and connect the dots, like my graphic design career actually started in high school because we used to remake the high school uh, tardy slips and the late forms. Oh my God. Amazing. So that's kind of how it all started in a lot of ways. Um, but I was a horrible high school student. I barely graduated. I had like a 0.5 overall GPA at the end of it all. Wow. Um, I couldn't even get into college. All I did was smoke weed and hang out and just skip so many classes. So I was doing nothing. All my friends went away to school. I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, my friends now look at me and they're like, wow, I really thought you were going to be like at best, like a manager at the local grocery store. So uh, I think through that first like year or two after high school, I started painting houses for this guy, Dave. And it became very clear to me quickly that um, I was down a bad path. He used to say like, I feel like every day is your first day. And this was like two years in. Like I was a kind of a tramp. Oh, like I was no. just oh, no. doing drugs every weekend, trying new drugs, like partying, not sleeping ever, didn't have any focus, did not care. And this guy, Dave, really changed my entire life. He became this kind of father I never had, you know, a real life mentor for me in a lot of ways. Um, he became this kind of male figurehead for me that I I guess I always I always needed or wanted. Yeah. And so he he really taught me all these skills and all these tools, not just about the job, but about how to, um, you know, how to be proactive about your life and the work you're doing and, and to find what something that stimulates you in a lot of ways. So I worked for him four years and uh, he changed everything. I, and at some point I stopped hanging out with all the friends I did. I stopped doing all the drugs I was doing and I would just work for him all day. And then he was re renovating his house and I'd go back with him all night and, re and paint the house and all these things. I would sleep over and he had a family and I became very close with his whole family. They're, they're really my second family to this day. He really installed just kind of these seeds in my brain about what hard work means, what commitment means, um, and how to apply yourself and the things you want to do. So, so during that process, I started taking uh, community college classes at Tri-C. So I went there for two years and, it, and that began to change my life in a whole different direction. I thought I wanted to do interior design. Because when, when I was working for Dave, we worked in all these beautiful houses across Cleveland, Ohio. And I thought, no, oh, maybe I want to do interior design. So I, started, so I started taking night classes. And then I had to take drawing classes that was like prereqs. So I had this great teacher or two teachers. And they were like, just like, you know, you really have something. Like, you feel like you have a voice. You sure you want to do interior design? Like, you don't want to like maybe pursue something a little different? I was taking all these classes, taking sculpture. I was taking life drawing. I was taking 2D design. And I quickly just realized I wanted to go to school full-time. Um, so I started going full-time at the community college. So I was working full-time. I was taking classes night, nights and weekends for two, two and a half years straight. And then I realized during that process, I wanted to do graphic design. I dropped everything in my life. And all I cared about was trying to learn as much, po much as possible. And I'm older at this point. You know, I'm like 21, 22. 
and I also felt this need to like really catch up because I felt like I'd wasted my entire life up until that point. So I thought maybe I'd get out of the community college and go to an art school, but I had no money, like no money at all. Um, and I don't come from money. And I, there was, I was like, how would I pay for a private education at art school? So I read this book. It's called How to Go to College for Almost Free. I love it. It's remarkable. And it sounds cheesy, but this book changed everything for me because what it taught me how to do was to write about myself. Hmm. You know, it taught me how, if you're going to win scholarships against the thousand other yeah. people that are applying, yep. how do you differentiate yourself and tell your story? I love that. The, what an important the, skill. Yeah. And how do you maximize your story in the best way? And so I started finding all these scholarships. I you find them at local banks in Cleveland. There was a tall person scholarship I won. Like, no it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. And so I applied to over a hundred scholarships over the course of two, two and a half years. I'd go home every night and write another scholarship. I was just obsessed with trying to like figure it all out. And can I just ask you, cause it's such an important thing for people to know wherever they're at in business is what's the answer to how do you tell your story? I think it's the same answer for everything in the creative world, which is Miles Davis says, you got to play a long time to play like yourself. It's just, you got to make a lot of things to make things like yourself. You got to write a lot of things to write like yourself. So it's really just about the hours and hours mm, and I love that. of practice and trying and continuing to do it. That's really what it comes down to. So for those people, we're going to get back into like the, the steps and the milestones, yeah. but for those people who don't know what came out, what is the DNA of what's your signature voice? Like, what did you realize is the thing that you wanted to say with your work? I wanted to say whatever I felt was meaningful to me to be able to express myself in any way I find worthy and any way I can, you know? So whether that is through design, through a mural, through writing, through a social experiment that I do talking about important things. And obviously I'm known for certain things and styles and stuff like that. But it's not any one thing that I, I think I'm particularly like great at. It's just the fact that I, I have this constant desire to say my opinion to the world or whatever that is. Yeah. And to con- just to connect to people, you know, like it's really yeah. just about having the dialogue with people. I mean, when you step back and look at your work, there is like a theme to it. And I mean, what I see is like you're fighting for the underdog, you know, you're fighting for the person who maybe can't put their words, you know, out there the way that you can, and you want to speak those words. But because it's coming from my own experiences through different things. And and then you, you recognize what maybe hasn't been said and you try to say it. Yeah. I would say that the, if I had to pick a word to describe your work, it's compassion. Ah, you know, that's very nice. So what wound up happening? I got into SVA and I went there, graduated. um, And I started as a book jacket designer I mean, really, yeah. my, first, my first four years after college, I worked at places. I was a book jacket designer, Simon Schuster, here in New York. From there, I went to go work for a man named Brian Collins. I worked for him for about two, three years. Then I went to Apple. So I was a, I was a designer, art director there. And that was, that was the defining moment of when it all changed. Amazing. Yeah. And obviously, Apple is, you know, I could tell my mom what I do now. You know, <laughs> you could tell her friends what I do now. But I knew I wasn't satisfied. I didn't feel stimulated by it. It was at that point that I did my first mural. And so I really felt that tingly feeling that you so often get, you know, you have the, the blessing to feel 
after I did that mural. What was the first mural? What did you say with that mural? What was the design? What was the message of it? So I got asked to do a mural in a hotel room in New York and there was hardly any money involved or anything like that, but it was, it was this great challenge. And I never done any, any work like that. I was working at a branding firm. This is right before I went to Apple. I was doing a ton of freelance on the side. I was doing New York times illustrations and I was doing all these like editorial illustrations, but I never done anything like this. So I got to do this mural. So I decided I was going to draw picture frames, like a hundred picture frames all over these walls of this hotel room. And all the hundred picture frames were like things about New York city and I locked myself in this room over three days. It was like Memorial Day weekend. I'll never forget. I was like crying by the end of it. I just never felt that challenged in my life. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I was doing something that really was kind of like penetrating me in a, in a different way. So I did that. And then I was like really excited about it. And I shared it to a lot of people. I got on some design blogs and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. I want to do more of this. How do I do more of this? Yep. So I went to Apple and it was obviously for many reasons, a, a, an amazing experience to see behind the scenes, but all I wanted to do is do, to do more murals and do more work for myself and, you know, express myself in that way. And I wasn't getting that from Apple. I felt everything was kind of holding me back and I, I, I just wanted to find a way to do other things. And luckily I had that job because it allowed me obviously to, you know, support myself while I was doing these things. I was doing a lot of editorial illustration back then. I would do book jackets sometimes. I think I did my second mural sometime during that year. And uh, I eventually, I realized that I was making enough money on the side to pay my rent. So I said, well, if I, if I can make enough money right now to pay my rent, on the, and that's just the nights and weekends. And surely I could do it if I had my, all my days free. So I decided, let's do this. So I immediately, after a year and three months, I moved right back to New York. January 2012. And I've been working for myself ever since. It's amazing. And how did it sort of like grow into this incredible fire where you have such a huge community, you've built such an audience? Like what was the next big breakthrough? Well, it was really, it was really a steady burn. You know, I was constantly like sending out emails to people, you know, I would spend nights just like letting people, I get contacts from different agencies and say, Hey, here's my website. Here's the work I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to do more murals. I'm doing, you know, I was like constantly sending, letting people know I was alive. You know I mean? That's really a lot of times what it comes down to. And then I was trying to find ways to do side projects. That was important to me. And so I started doing a couple different like miniature kind of side projects and it was just a steady burn. And then I, I think I did a big mural for not, you know, it was a pretty substantial uh, installation for Airbnb in their new offices. It's like early 2013 and then, you know, you just keep doubling from there. You just keep letting people know, oh, I just did this new mural. Oh, and I sent it to these design blogs, send it to these art directors and just keep kind of like, you know, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram. Like I had no qualms about any of that. Yeah. And I love that you really stopped to highlight that because I really do think that that's it. That's, that's the piece where people usually you know, don't move, they get stuck. And that is what creates the momentum is like, you got to put yourself out there. But I think what happens is people get flooded with this, like, who do I think I am? I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect. I'm going to seem stupid. This person's going to think yeah, I'm a yeah, burden. Yeah. I'm reaching out. What advice do you give people when they're like all locked up in their self-doubt and they're like afraid of things out there? Because I'm sure you've dealt with some rejection along the way, no? Oh, of course. Yeah. When you're in your journey, you, you look back years later and you say, oh, you know what? That person never gave me the time of the day. But that propels you 
I think that also like adds some uh, coal to the fire or some, some wood to the fire, you yeah. know? I feel like that makes so much sense. Someone tells you you can't do it. That's like the best insurance policy for you. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh God, tell me again. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was even just, I just wrote about this on my Instagram recently about someone who, when I did that first mural, I was so excited and I didn't know if it was good or not. And I think that for a creative person, that's always a really interesting space to be into when you don't quite know if this is good or not, or if this oh, is worthy yeah. or not, that means yeah. you're on to something different, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know, but I was excited about it. And so I was sharing this with a friend in the industry, an older friend, and I was telling them about it. And they were like, ah, oh, that's cool. But so-and-so names another friend of ours. So-and-so could do it better, mm. could draw it better. And no, no disrespect to, to the other person, but it's like, yeah, but they didn't do it. I love everything that you're saying. Before we go on, let's just thank our sponsors. When I talk to people like Timothy, sometimes I think, wow, I really want to be an artist too. I want to be a visual artist. And Skillshare could actually help make that wish a reality. When you want to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity, check out Skillshare's online classes. What you find just might surprise and inspire you. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to support and empower each other in the next step in their creative journey. They have thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. I love their watercolor painting classes, their productivity classes, and this year year. I want to amp up on my Instagram game. So I definitely want to check out their class called Instagram worthy photography. If that's not your thing, don't worry because they have thousands of other classes on topics like illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. They give you real projects to create so you can actually accomplish measurable growth and it's incredibly affordable and annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Another thing you'll love is that Skillshare makes it so convenient to pick up new skills. I have such a busy schedule, but this makes it easy to learn on my own time and at my own pace. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2 and get two free months of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. That's Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. When you run your own business, HR issues can be a major problem. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR managers are not cheap. Their salary on average is 70000 a year. So Bambi spelled B-A-M-B-E-E was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft your HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. You have a dedicated HR manager who's available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. I know it sounds so exciting to start your own business, but let's be real. Being your own HR manager is not what truly lights you up every day. So let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash dreamjob right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash dreamjob. Spelled B-A-M to the B-E-E.com slash dreamjob. So let's talk about some of these incredibly cool projects like 12 Kinds of Kindness and Friends with Secrets, 40 Days of Dating. When did those things start to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to now do stuff like this. I'm going to walk around New York City and smile for eight hours straight. Like (laughs) when did that? Well, I mean, most of all these things I've done is with Jessica Walsh and it came from us doing our first one, which was 40 Days of Dating back in 2013. But I mean, it really just came from our relationship together as friends and a real need to want to say something to, to make something, 
to um, explore a bit of the unknown that maybe we have never seen in this world of graphic design and try and use our tools as designers to make something uh, at like a social experiment that is outside of the world of design. But it came from our, our just relationship, you know, and it came from conversations and it, it came from a real question of why all great things like this have to start with those questions of why it's like, why am I like this? Why am I like this in relationships at this time? Am I ever going to change? How, you know, and then that creates the kind of um, the friction that, that you need to be able mm-hmm. to, to start to, you know, bring something to fruition. That's so beautiful. So explain to everybody, you dated, you dated each other for 40 days and journaled what happened. Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We, we, we had opposite relationship problems. We'd always been friends. We always made fun of each other for it. It was very stereotypical man, woman. I was kind of a commitment phobe and just having fun and focus on my career and not really trying to be serious. She was the complete opposite in a lot of ways. She didn't like, she didn't want to date. You know, she really wanted to find someone, you know, meaningful. And, and it wasn't working out for either of us in a lot of different ways. And we'd kind of make fun of each other for it. And one day we were going to Art Basel with some, a group of friends. I think she had just got dumped the night before or two nights before that or something. And she was really kind of sad about it. And we were talking about things and literally we got on this airplane and three hours, we came up with the whole concept. What Um, was that like to date your friend? Yeah, it was crazy. It was weird. I mean, there was always, there was always a curiosity for us because I don't think we would have been able to do this if we weren't attracted to each other or attracted into the, you know, about the idea of what it would be like to date each other. But I think because we were so different, and we also had this group of friends. We didn't want to ruin something, our friendship. So in order to make an experiment, we came up with a, a set of rules, yeah. you know, like we had to see a couple therapists together weekly. What? We That's see, amazing. We had to see our, each other every day. Uh, we had to answer these eight questions. Um, did you see Jessica today? What did you guys do differently? What would you do? You know, what do you want to do tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, so we did the experiment first. And so we decided, okay, maybe this is interesting to people. And so then it became a design solution. It kind of, it was like, well, how would we create the website? Oh, Jessica's on the left. I'm on the right of each day. You can, the same eight questions. You see what she says, you read what I wrote. So interesting. How, How do we interpret the same, you know, same thing, wildly different. We saved all the things that we did during. So if we went to the movies, we showed a picture of the movie ticket. We did art. We did videos during the 40 days. We held, I think one time we held hands for eight hours straight or something. We filmed it. And, it, and really what it just be, it becomes a, a real like kind of magnifying glass on our own issues and our own past and what we're dealing with internally through the whole thing. I mean, there was one point we were in therapy and, and she's like, you guys are in it right now. You're doing exactly what you always do. Tim, you're trying to run away. Jessica, you're trying to pull, you're trying to latch on harder. You're in it. What are you, you still stuck together. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to witness this moment? in a more sensitive way and Mm -hmm. yeah so it was really profound and what was even more profound is that how like viral it went afterwards because we really had no idea how did that happen we re-released it you know we had we had good contacts in the design industry so we shared it with people and but really what what helped it take off the way it did is because we decided to release it daily so it was really the first of its form like this really web reality where people would go so it allowed it to catch fire Yep. Cause it was like, you know, and became this thing that people kept coming back to and back to and wanting more. 
And then I think it was like by day 13 or 14 or something that we got our first like big press. It was like New York Post or something. And then it just, and then it was like CNN, NBC Today Show, like what? BBC. It was insane. Um, That's amazing. Name it. We were on The View. It was crazy. Oh my God. Like my mom was like watching me on The View and stuff. It was wild. <laughs> it just goes to show you that like people sit around like, Andy J Pizza, he says, you know, people wait for their like fairy art mother to like tap them on the shoulder and like mm. give them their big break. But we got to go be that for ourselves and go make things. And you're not just yeah. making things. You were like really spending. I mean, that's like dedication. Like you didn't know if this would make a buck. You didn't know if anyone would care. And you like yeah. dedicated your life to something for 40 days. And that's and just after. Yeah, it was yes. wild. Yeah. So we ended up um, optioning it to Warner Brothers for a movie, which is insane because it just caught fire and it's like everyone was like, what? Oh, my just, God. It was insane. So then the two of you do more things. And yeah, so we realized that uh, for many reasons, we were not right romantically and we had to it took some time because the thing went viral and we didn't anticipate that either. And because we had kind of like, quote unquote, broke up. And there was a little friction between us personally. It took a little while. And then we had to like jump in and all of a sudden people wanted this as property and we're like in business meetings together. But <laughs> I still, like, doctor. But yeah. it's still kind of like we're exes. And so we, it took us some time, but we really realized how much we trusted each other and loved each other and why we had always been friends. So we were, you know, we were able to really get over all that stuff and um, realize how great creatively we are as partners because we are so different and we bring so much to the table. So yeah, we decided to keep making things. We made another crazy, robust project, 12 Kinds of Kindness. What, tell, tell us a little bit about it. So. Well, there's like 140 uh, like programs in the United States from AA to you name it, like 12-step programs. Yeah. Uh, and we realized there's no like real 12-step program for your own like apathy or your own kind of lack of um, like just kindness, you know, the lack of kindness we have for each other for ourselves. And so we wanted to explore that in kind of a loose 12 step program kind of a way. I'm like, what would happen if we gave ourselves all these parameters mm, that we had to come it. to? Uh -huh. So we, we did things about like forgiving our enemies, whatever. I went and met my biological father for the first time ever. And we tried to do it in a very tasteful way where it wasn't like, I wasn't filming my meeting with my dad. You know, it wasn't about like being a reality show. It was just about the journey of like why I am the way I am. Right what would it mean to do some of these things that I've always wanted to do, but was too scared to do stuff like that. So by the end of it, this was like March, 2016 when Tr Donald Trump was running for president in the primaries. And we did a, we staged the huge protest at Trump tower uh, that was yeah. built, build kindness, not walls. You know, a hundred volunteers help us. And yeah, it became a big kind of spectacle on the street. And we were like, kind of like in the New York times for that and stuff. It was a wild thing, but you know, it's interesting though. Like I've done a lot of these things and, but I look at, I look at something like that, you know, and like, I think like, you know, at what point do you do something and it's in vain? At what point are you doing something that maybe really truly helps people you know, because like as creative people in this world, I think we all have this ego that we work with. We all want our work to be seen, of course. But I've been really thinking about the stages of where something, like what, what's the bridge, what's the threshold of like where something is in vanity and what something is actually meant to, to help. I don't know. It's just part of my own like questioning. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. That's kind I of mean, a quest I'm on. Yeah, you have so much integrity and listening to you is like, it's like music. Oh, stop it. That's very no. nice. I know. I've never, I've never said that to anyone. But it is. is it's like, 
No, you're like, you're doing everything in real time. There's nothing that's like contrived. You're like this living, breathing organism that's like, what's the next mm. thing? And like, oh, that would be cool. Like you're truly, your life is the art. Like you've made your life into art. It's as though like your days are like a canvas and you're just like, what are all the things I feel compelled that I could do? How could I access that? And there's nothing off limits. I mean, it really explodes everything for the listeners because I think people put themselves in boxes. Like mm -hmm. I'm a baker, I'm a screenwriter, I'm a dancer. That's it. That's yeah, what I do. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, you could just be a creative like in every day coming up with like, what's the next thing? And boy, it's like, I think the main thing I'm getting from you aside from the compassion piece and the integrity piece is there's just so much possibility, like nothing, nothing. You can do anything. And that's part nice. of the gift of not having been an A student. It's like, you just didn't condition yourself. Yeah. Not, yeah. In the line. So like there's, you, you just see it your way and it's, it's beautiful. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. That means a lot. It's true. Yeah. It's really like, it's, amazing actually but what's what's crazy about you is not only are you super open to just like whatever comes out and you're in touch with yourself enough to like do it you're like also such a doer i'm just wondering like what would you would say to like a kid who said to you like i admire you so much and i'm in my own way i feel depressed i feel lonely yeah. i feel like no one cares about me and I think a lot of people right now are probably feeling so inspired hearing this, but they're like, yeah, well, it's easy for him to do it. He's brilliant. I'm yeah, an idiot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. What would yeah, you say yeah. to encourage them? I mean, really, it's the same thing I always say. It's just like, you know, you just have to keep making things, you know, and I don't know how else to say it. But if you don't, if you stop making things, you stop exploring and exhausting the possibilities. I don't, I'm not saying it has to be some very crazy overarching thing. It's just like, even if you're working on that one illustration, how do you just exhaust all the possibilities on what it is, you know, and all the styles you want to work on and what, how are like, how, that's how you find the things that will stimulate you, you know, it's like, and really living your life, doing things that really make you excited, being around the people who actually care about you and make your life worthwhile and aren't toxic. You know, depression is a very important thing. We haven't talked about it, but I, I went through a lot of depression uh, back in, in 2018. And I came out of that after months of depression. And I felt like I want to do everything in my life. I want to try to attempt to do and say everything in my life with as much love as possible. And whatever that means to you, you know, whatever, however you define love, but the things for me, that's just like what the things that really like, just get me amped, you know, and that really enthuse me. And how do I find ways to include that in my life at all times? Because really, it's really important to make time for yourself and to love yourself. You forget that you matter in all this, you know? And you forget that, like, you have to be kind to yourself somehow. You have to allow yourself to feel all the things and connect to all the things that you need to do as a creative person. I don't know. I think I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but. Yeah, you're making a lot of sense. What's fascinating is that when you said you struggle with depression, I was thinking like, that, that's a thing, you know, but I thought you were going to say like in 1997, you know, you wouldn't think <laughs> that would be something. Yeah that you'd struggle with after so much success, right? Well, that's oh. what I mean. I always say that success means nada when it comes to your mental health. Like, you know, it really doesn't. And that's what's so fascinating because people will say, you know, the thing that lights us up is purpose, right? 
but you're doing things that are purposeful. And yep. so what you're saying is it's, it, that's also not enough because it sounds like what you said is at some point you still lose yourself yep. and you're not really being kind to yourself. You know, I was just watching, a, I saw this movie, Honey Boy. Have you heard of it? With Shia LaBeouf. It's so great. You got to see it. But I watched an interview with him afterwards and I wrote, I just find it's on my phone right now because I, I love, uh, my, my favorite thing is watching like documentaries or biographies about people and, and the trajectory of how they, you know, so so I was watching an interview with Shia afterwards and, he, and I wrote this quote down. He, wrote, he said this, he said, I'm deeply dissatisfied with my life. He said, work isn't my whole life and I have to get okay with that. Cause he's saying that all, he was saying all he does is work. That's the only time he feels great and he's dissatisfied with his life. So work isn't my whole life and I have to get okay with that. That's usually where things go awry for me. When I'm not on a set, my life gets hard. I don't do anything else. This is why I'm trying to develop and trying to grow. And I think that was so much the case for me and why I spiraled so much from depression because I realized for 10, 11, 12 years, all I have done is, is focus on my career. And all the decisions in my personal life were tailored around my career and what it would do for that. And I think I realized how empty and dissatisfied I felt and how lost I felt with the things that I've been neglecting for so long in my life. And how do I find myself in a place uh, trying to, to do things for me for once? And that was really what my whole quest is. And that's why I went to Paris for three months this summer and I've been learning French for the last five or six months. So trying- it's so brave to share it and I totally relate to it. And uh, I agree. I mean, for me, it's like the weekends are so much harder than the weekdays. The weekdays are fun. I get lit. Monday morning, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm working. This is amazing. Let's do this. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday night comes. I'm like, I don't, I'm a shell of a person. Like, I don't know what to do. All I know how to do well is what I do in my work. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then what's scary is people say to you like, oh my God, you're crushing it. Do more yeah. of that. And yeah, of course. We, and you do. And you do. But you're not, I know. I mean, speaking for myself, I realized I wasn't developed, <laughs> quite frankly, emotionally, you know, in a lot of other ways. And so, uh, I mean, I've been doing therapy for a long time on and off, but in the last year and a half is where I've really been committed to it. And I've been really committed to, to doing things like things I've always wanted to do, like learn French and yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. It's so important. And you're so generous. Like you're just very open, which allows for people to to heal so much. So thank you for... Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I really, no, it's been, it's an honor to be here and talk to you. So you're, Thanks. you're a good one. You're, you're <laughs> I'm trying. Person. All I can do is try, you know, like we do have to allow space for everyone to kind of try and grow as much as they can. So, you know, it's, it's you're, it just goes to show you some people are like, they fear success because they're afraid you become successful. You might be a jerk, you know, and you're so down to, you're more down to earth than like the person who lives next door, you know? So it's like, that's such a gift that you can like lead by example. I mean, don't give, and you know, and I've had moments where I feel like I've lost that. And I think what actually, you know, I talk about the depression I went through a year and a half ago, that was, it really, you know, you be, it humbles you in a lot of ways and it allows you to really be retrospective about, about certain things. So, you know, like I said, I kind of committed to doing everything with love and trying to really change a lot of things that I wasn't exactly proud of. So. Well, it's beautiful to hear. Uh, I mean, this Shia LaBeouf should make this movie. He should make your movie. Because ah, he should. should. <laughs> because, I mean, that's just such a beautiful place to end this. It's such a beautiful beginning, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and, and so it is that now it's about 
taking French lessons because I want to. And it's not about being productive or interesting yep. or getting something to be viral. Yeah. I'm just coming back home, yep. you know, and yeah. that's so cool. So thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Timothy Goodman. You can find me at Twitter, although I don't tweet that much anymore, but you can find me there, Timothy O. Goodman. You can find me on my website, tgoodman.com. And uh, you can find me on the streets of New York City or a town near you if I'm doing some work. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Timothy is extraordinary. Here are the takeaways. Number one, you got to play a long time to play like yourself. Put in the hours to practice and continue to do it. Number two, let people know what you're doing. Send the emails, reach out to your contacts. Number three, when someone doesn't give you the time of day, use it as fuel to the fire. Number four, make your life into art. Number five, keep making things. Exhaust all the possibilities it can be. That's how you find the thing that can excite you. Number six, attempt to do and say everything in your life with as much love as possible. Number seven, make time for yourself and to love yourself. You matter. Number eight, allow space for yourself to try and grow as much as you can. And number nine, commit to the things you always wanted to do. You guys really are the best. Thank you so much for listening. I am super clear that you have a thousand other things you could be doing at this second. It means the world to me that you listen to this show. I don't take that for granted. We have awesome episodes coming up. So make sure that you do subscribe, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you love this episode or any other episode, please do me a favor right now and share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that you can help us out. And it doesn't cost you a thing. And you might just be helping another soul by opening them up to a new world of possibility and permission to do what they love. You could also be leaving us a review because it's always fun to see what you guys have to say. And I'll tell you this much. If you go ahead and share the show and you tag me and you post about it on Instagram and you go ahead and DM me and let me know that you left us a review, every day this week, I'll be choosing three of you who do that and giving you free tickets to the Arrive Summit. And if you want to join us for the Arrive Summit, go to kathyheller.com slash arrive and you will be able to get tickets to come join me for two days at the Marriott in Beverly Hills to talk about how you're going to arrive home to yourself this year and how you're going to arrive to the next level and break through your upper limit and finally put your stake in the ground and do what it is that you came here to do. I cannot wait to spend that time with you. Our live events are always so much fun. Ah, so life-changing for me included. So go ahead, get your tickets. And if you want to enter the giveaway, leave us a review, DM me a screenshot of that, or go ahead and tell a friend, tell the world about the podcast and tag me. And I will choose three of you every day this week and give you tickets to the Arrive Summit. I'll leave you with a new song of mine. If you want to join me for our retreat, remember we have five spots left. And even if you're thinking you want to be there, but you can't afford it, let me know because I do have some scholarship money and I want to fill up those spots. It'll be first come first serve thank you guys so much for listening i'll talk to you on thursday the podcast is a production of authentic for more info on advertising in this show visit authenticshows.com